Welcome to the Believe Book Club podcast, a podcast for big dreamers who love all things personal growth and books. I'm your host, Kim Reed. If you're ready to join a community of like-minded soul seekers taking their love of books and all things personal development to the next level, then you're absolutely in the right place. Each fortnight, we'll dive deep into one of your favorite books, meeting the authors who created them, sharing their stories of what led them to explore these important topics that speak right to our soul and have us sitting up to attention, ready to take action. Hearts open, minds open, books open. Let's believe we can together. Welcome to episode three. Today's episode is with Jordana Levin to chat about her beautiful book, Make It Happen. Make It Happen was our book of the month in September over in our book club and we loved studying the manifestation formula. In this episode, we'll chat about how this dreamy book cover came to life. We'll chat about Jordana's manifestation equation to create successful manifestation and we'll also chat about how manifesting is really just taking ownership of your life and we'll also talk a bit about Jordana's money story and also about love. So if you're ready to learn more about manifesting the life of your dreams, then this episode is for you. Enjoy. Hey, Jordana, thank you so much for chatting with us over in the Believe Book Club. We're so excited to get started with your book. I'm really excited to chat more about your book, Make It Happen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of this book club. Great. And one of the first things when we, when we decided on your book, the very first thing that people just couldn't believe was how beautiful and how dreamy your couple was. So <laughs> yeah. I'd love for you to chat about your couple with us and how the inspiration came about for that beautiful cover. Yeah, well, it's funny. It wasn't the original cover. Um, I had a great team at Murdoch Books, who's my publisher, helping me with the cover. But it's funny, like when you imagine your first book cover, you've got a lot of ideas in your head. But when you're not a designer, which I am, not. I definitely write the words. Um, it can be really hard to communicate what you see in your head, you know? So the first attempt that we had, it was a little bit of me saying certain things and a little bit of my publisher saying other things. And by the time it got to the design team, it was just like off. It just didn't work really at all. So we went back to the drawing board and, um, I actually sent the creative director at Murdoch a whole bunch of emojis. And I was like, I need the book to communicate this. And it was just like all these random emojis. And uh, she came up with this. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I, I don't know, like the colors and the gold foil, it's just, it's really beautiful. And we really wanted a book that people were going to um, be excited to share especially on social media and also just be excited to have on the bookshelf at home and give us a gift as well, because you know, that's how we do marketing these days is with people taking photos. So they have to actually like really get drawn to it aesthetically. Yeah, absolutely. And 
just when I ordered the book, it looked beautiful on the computer. And then when you've got it in your hands, it's just a whole new level of beautiful. Just right? so amazing. I, I would know. love to have seen you get your first copy and seen it in person. How did you react when you got it out? Yeah, it was funny, actually. I had was just moving into my home in Byron Bay and I'd driven... Um, 10 hours with like my whole car full of all my stuff and my furniture was arriving the next day and my publisher had because I was I wasn't actually living anywhere before that I was kind of traveling for a bit so my publisher had sent it to my new address so after 10 hours of driving I finally arrived at my new place there was no furniture in it it was arriving the next day and I walked in and my book was sitting on the coffee table and it was the first time that I saw it and yeah it was pretty special it's so surreal seeing something that you worked so hard on and you know like lots of back and forth with artwork covers and like all this sort of stuff you start to become detached to it a little bit I think Um, and especially when you're seeing it all play out on the computer screen and then to actually hold it in your hand like physically hold it was just incredible I can't even describe it yeah amazing so I'm assuming that this was your first published book. Yes. I would love for you to share with us how the idea came to you. Is this something you've wanted to do for a really long time or was it just a new thing that came to you? Um, I've wanted to write a book ever since I could read books. So the writing of a book, not a new concept at all. Um, The contents of Make It Happen, which is based basically on the manifestation equation, was something I'd been working with for about three years through a Sydney event series I was running called Lunar Nights. Um, And it was a monthly event series that I ran on the new moon um, and we did intention setting and we kind of talked about manifestation at the end. And over the first few months of the first year, the equation sort of came into itself And I started teaching it more and more um, as the monthly events continued. And I kind of got to the point where I was just repeating myself every month. And there was so much more that I wanted to say about it. I wanted to tell people how to actually apply it to different areas of their life. So I put the book proposal together and I just started sending it out to publishers. But the first publisher I gave it to took it. So I was really lucky. Amazing. Yeah. Right. So are you still doing those lunar nights in Byron? I do them, I actually do them online now. So it's the same, same as I used to do in person, but they're online circles. So people join me from all around the world and tune in via Zoom like we are now. And um, I, I run them from this couch basically. Um, and it's just as powerful. I thought when I took an in-person event and put it online that it would kind of lose a bit of its charm. But I think uh, people actually feel a little bit more comfortable when they're in their own home and they can really sort of feel into the stuff we're talking about without having to worry about people around them. So it's actually been, it's, it's actually been a really beautiful transition. Yeah. Amazing. I love how you've created a manifestation equation and you've actually got a formula on how to manifest. It's genius. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) I would love for you to just share a bit more about that equation and what it includes. Yeah. So um, the equation sort of came to me through a lot of trial and error with manifestation. Um, and it's based on lots of different universal laws, but it's, I, I put it in an equation, not because I'm good at maths, because I'm 
absolutely not good at maths. <laughs> Definitely a words person. Um, but just seeing it set out in a formula really kind of made sense to me. And I thought this is a really beautiful way to communicate it with other people. So the manifestation equation goes like this. Thoughts plus feelings plus actions plus faith equals successful manifestation. And it's all four parts of the equation working together in unison that makes manifestation possible. So basically for a really long time, you know, I would think the good thoughts and I would feel the good feels, but I wasn't taking any action and I didn't actually really believe it was possible for me. So I found a lot of the time something would start to manifest and then it would all just kind of fall apart. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Or alternatively, I'd take action towards something but my thoughts weren't really aligned with it and I didn't actually feel into it and I didn't believe it was possible. So it didn't really work. So it's like using all four parts together and I explain them in detail in the book um, that you can really start to see how things will start to manifest with very little effort. Yeah, absolutely. And do you find that if somebody says to you, um, I'm trying to manifest something and it's not working for me do you find that it's one of those parts that maybe they need to work on a little bit deeper there's so many different reasons something isn't manifesting but yes that could be that could be one of them definitely that they're you know their thoughts are aligned and they're taking action but they're not actually feeling into it and they're not sure of what feelings they're trying to create so yeah that could definitely be something um I think a lot of the time we run uh, a series of like limiting beliefs, stories that we tell ourselves about why something isn't possible for us. And when we're trying to manifest something that goes against our belief system, whether it's true or not, and half the time it's not true, that's going to be a big block to our manifestations. Another thing that's preventing us, and this can be really disheartening for some people, but I think that it should be aspirational and inspirational, is that sometimes the timing's just not right. And that can be a really hard pill to swallow. But I think that we have to have a certain level of faith that things are working out exactly as they're meant to. And if it's not this, if it's not the thing you're trying to manifest, then it could be something better. And that's the kind of thoughts and feelings that I encourage people to have around the reason something might not be manifesting for them. Yeah, so that's something you did share in your book about this or something better. And sometimes when people are manifesting things, um, the something better doesn't seem like it's something better at the mm. time which you shared. Can you just discuss that a little bit further? Yeah, I um, I try not to patronise us as the human race, but we have very tiny little brains mm. compared to the all-expansive universe. And I think sometimes just because we can't see it and we don't believe it is possible, we think that it's our only option. And what I try and do, what I try and say to people is let's stop being so super specific with exactly what we think it is that's going to achieve X, Y, Z and just concentrate on how we want to feel. And then what can happen is if it's not the thing that you envisage, it could be something much better and much bigger and much brighter that the universe sees for you that actually will get you to those feelings. So trying not to set up too many boundaries and parameters around what it is you're trying to create, because if that thing doesn't eventuate, it's because something better is on the way. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah. where faith comes in. <laughs> Absolutely. It's faith in yourself and trusting in yourself, but also faith that you're being looked after by something greater than you. And, you know, um, 
I call it the universe. I just think it's the easiest thing to call it, but a lot of people call it God. You can call it whatever you like, but knowing that there is something so much bigger than you that is working in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. So you spoke a bit about in your book about um, that you feel manifesting doesn't have anything to do with luck and what you've achieved um, you don't feel is due to luck. Can you just share your thoughts on luck and people um, saying that you're lucky? Yeah. I mean, look, I think that we can be lucky, but I think that someone can't be luckier than the next person. I think we all bring into our lives um, like we were all creating all of the time within our lives and the things that are happening to you are because you're making them happen. Hence the title of the book. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing with manifestation that people don't understand is we're all actually manifesting all of the time without even realizing it. A lot of us are doing it subconsciously. So what I'm trying to teach people is all the things that you've already created in your life, all of the things that have happened, you made happen, whether they're good things or bad things. So what I'm trying to teach people is how to do it consciously so that they can make the things that they want to happen, happen in their life. So when we say, oh, that's just lucky, you know, you're just lucky. I just don't buy that. I just feel like we're not just lucky. We've made it happen, whether it's through our mindset, our feelings, the actions we're taking, our level of self-worth. And that's a, that's a key part of this book is that your ability to manifest and your level of self-worth are directly correlated. So in the areas of your life where you struggle with self-worth and you don't think you're deserving of the things you're trying to manifest, you're going to find it really tricky. But in those areas of your life where you find it, um, where you have a really high level of self-worth and you believe you're deserving of those things, you're going to find it really easy to manifest. So when people are putting it down to luck, it kind of takes themselves out of the equation. And I think such a big part of the equation is the action piece and the role that you play because you're the one having the thoughts you're the one having the feelings you're the one taking the actions yeah yeah absolutely okay so you spoke a little bit about limiting beliefs and Mm. you shared in the book how you like to reply replace limiting beliefs with limitless beliefs yeah (laughs) loved that it was beautiful can you share more about that So limiting beliefs, I mean, they basically keep us stuck, right? They limit us. They don't let us grow. Um, It's a series of thoughts that we've had over and over and over again until it becomes a belief. Basically, that's what a belief is, a series of repeated thoughts. Um, I try to encourage people to expect the best at all times. I think a lot of us, I know I did, um, I would always expect the worst. And then if the worst happened, then I wouldn't be disappointed. It's like, oh yeah, kind of saw that coming. Mm. But if we can expect the best, um, the likelihood of the best eventuating is actually a lot higher because we've got our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and our level of faith around it totally working in our favor. Um, So in terms of limitless beliefs, I encourage people to think big, dream big, know that they are deserving of amazing things. And the only thing that's stopping those things from happening are either your own limiting beliefs or you listening to the limiting beliefs of people around you. So, you know, I've got a really good example of this. Um, A lot of people, when I moved up to Byron Bay, said to me, you know what, 
there's so many women in Byron Bay, it's really hard to meet men. Like no woman ever moves to Byron Bay and meets a guy. Like I don't know whether as a 35-year-old single woman you should be moving to Byron. I heard this from multiple people, multiple people. And I was like, well, hang on a second. (laughs) That's not fair. I don't, I think that's your stuff. I don't think that's my stuff. And this happens all of the time. Like if you think about things that are happening in your life, it happens a lot when women are pregnant, you know, they'll get projected on what motherhood's going to be like for them. Or when people are trying to make a financial decision, people will use their own money stories to, you know, scare the person who's going through something. So just watch that your limiting beliefs around certain things are not someone else's beliefs that get projected onto you. Yeah. 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 It happens all the time, doesn't it? And yeah, We've recently moved to the Sunshine Coast and there's a lot of people saying, oh, what if uh, my husband doesn't find work or yeah. um, what if it doesn't work out? And I just, like, I, I think in abundance and I know that there's always something there for us and I think that that thinking in abundance or thinking in limitless, like limitless beliefs, it takes practice and a lot of people are still stuck in a bit of a lack mindset. Absolutely. And you know what? Like it's, it's our own individual lack mindset, but it's also happening on a global scale. You know, we look around us and there is so much lack at the moment, you know, whether it's lack of empathy or, you know, lack of a well-run government or whatever it might be, we don't feel like we're in abundance at the moment. And I think that starts to play on the individual when it's happening at a collective level. Yeah. So yeah. you shared in your book that we have between 50 and 80,000 thoughts a day, which is, yeah. <laughs> and 80% of those are not even true. Yeah. How does that even happen? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and the majority of those 80, of that 80%, those thoughts are about ourselves. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it was a, it was a study run by Michigan state university. Um, and, and the reason that I made the point in the book that 80% of our thoughts aren't true is that we can't place so much emphasis on them because there's so many manifestation texts and you've heard it that say, you know, um, thoughts become things and you're like, oh shit, I better not think anything that's going to, you know, be of a disservice to me. Yeah. And it's just not realistic because like I think some crazy thoughts, I'm, I'm a double air sign. So I'm up in my head the whole time. And, um, you know, I have judgy thoughts about myself and judgy thoughts about other people. And if all of that was coming into fruition, it'd be a pretty scary place considering how many thoughts are taking place around you. If there's already 80,000 in your own head, So the reason I brought it up was to say, you know, although uh, there's an opportunity for us to take these thoughts that are untrue and question them, let's not put too much emphasis on them. And the ones that we want to put emphasis on, we can do that by placing feeling behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So there's, there's more to just thinking and obviously that's where your, your next chapter titled bitch please I loved that (laughs) (laughs) was your action um and I'm all about the action action doesn't scare me I love action especially when I'm really inspired like inspired action is totally my thing but you did write in your book that some of the clients that you've worked with or people that you've worked with the action part of the equation um is sort of the part that turns them off yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think that, 
I think a lot of the time people hope and pray and cross their fingers that manifestation is about just sitting on the couch and thinking about the Maserati and the island holiday. And if I think about it enough, uh, if I think about it positively enough that it'll happen and it's like, well, I mean, that could happen, but I I highly doubt it. So if you want to actually make sure that the things that you want to create in your life happen, then you have to get up off your butt and do something about it yourself. And I break it down in the book, in the action chapter, that it's really about you taking ownership of your future. And that's what manifestation is. It's like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do about going to get it. And yeah, a lot of that is changing your thoughts. A lot about, a lot of it is, you know, feeling the right feelings, but action, like actually getting up and doing something about it is a major step. Why do people struggle with it? I'm not sure. Lazy. Um, I think that a lot of it is a belief that it's not actually possible. So them like taking the action towards it is just going to be, you know, a loss. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I'm also a very action based person. If I want something, I go and get it. Um, but I just want to encourage everybody that if the action steps you need to take are freaking you out, then just go smaller. And if that's too much, go smaller again, because you're better off taking a teeny, tiny, tiny step than doing nothing at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you speak about how manifestation is about creating your life. And if we're creating something, it's not a passive sit back and wait for it to come to us. You're actually creating, you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, oh, sorry. I just want to say on that, like, isn't it so much more rewarding to have a look at all of the stuff you've created in your life and say, I totally made that happen. You know, like, it didn't just happen because the universe gave it to me. Like I, I did that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you also spoke about spiritual bypassing. Mm. Um, I really love that part that you spoke about and it's a bit about not blaming it on the moon and the stars and whatever else some people blame it on. Can you just talk about spiritual bypassing a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I guess I mean it in the context of there are a lot of people out there that are reading, you know, personal development books, um, and they read them and they close the book and they put them back on the shelf and, um, that's it. (laughs) They're like, I've read it. I, you know, I've absorbed the information. That's it. But they don't actually do anything about it. Um, that's kind of bypassing the work a little bit, you know, Um, The same goes for, yeah, lighting candles and uh, using essential oils and tarot cards and wearing floaty dresses like the one I'm wearing now. It's like, it's all very great. It doesn't make you you a spiritual person. Now, I'm not saying um, that that stuff isn't part of a practice. And of course it is. And, And there's so many variations to spiritual and spirit. But what I'm saying is we can't keep placing the blame on other things for why things aren't working out for us. Um, And we need to actually reflect on ourselves and go, well, am I actually doing the work that I need? Am I actually feeling the feelings? Am I actually catching the thoughts and changing them? Or do I just know that thinking positive thoughts is more beneficial? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's something we talk about a bit in our book club because Um, a lot of people read a lot of personal development books and as you said, we'll just pop it back on the shelf. And sometimes there are people that say, oh my goodness, this book changed my life. And I like to remind them that it wasn't actually the book, like there were thoughts in there, but it was them taking the action that changed their life. So they are the ones that changed their life through that action. 
Absolutely. And I think that's why I put, well, not think, I know. That's why I put so many exercises in the book. So mm-hmm. for a lot of people, myself included, I don't love doing exercises when I read a book. But the reason that I put them in Make It Happen and the reason that there are so many of them is that the action piece is so important. So -hmm. if you're not doing the exercises in the book, you're actually not really embodying the message of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love the exercises. Oh, good. (laughs) I love exercises in most books, but that's just something I love doing. I really enjoyed your uh, money story exercise and just rewriting my money story. It's something that I have done before, but just refreshing that because obviously your money story evolves over time, even if you have previously done work on that. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit more about your money story and why you felt that rewriting a money story story was really important for your readers. Yeah, I had a, uh, a very classic money story for women, I guess, like yeah. wasn't really educated on it. Nobody really taught me anything. I didn't ask any questions growing up. Um, and then I kind of got to a place where I was independent and I was like, oh, I should probably know what to do with my money. And I didn't. So I got myself into a lot of debt <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, um, I left like a, not cushy, that's not the word I wanted to use. I left a uh, salary job. I left the corporate industry and I went out on my own running my own business. And then there was a whole new level of having to manage money. Mm-hmm. And I just kept telling the story of, oh, you know, I'm just no good with money. I don't understand money. Oh, I'm bad with money. I'll never, you know, I can't save money. And just all this stuff. And these are these limiting beliefs that we tell each ourselves and each other over and over and over again. And then I stopped and I was like, well, hang on, where, where did all of these beliefs come from? Because they're not actually true. Like, yeah, you don't know how to manage money, but that's not something you're caught in forever. You can actually go and educate yourself and learn how to do that. Mm. Um, you know, I'll never be able to save money. Well, that's just not true because you have saved money. So it's like all these things that you have to unpick, but you don't know that they're there until you start to write them down. So in the book, I get people to write down their current money story and like what are the vibrations and the resonance that you have around wealth and abundance and money. And it can be so eye-opening for people to realize how many untrue stories or true, even if they're true, it doesn't matter, stories they've been telling themselves over and over and over again. And this is what is creating the financial picture that they look at now. So then what I get them to do is to rewrite their money story. How would they like to feel about money? What do they want their financial future to look like? Because just as easy as it was to write the original money story that you subconsciously started to pen in your own head, we can start to write a new one and start to shift our our beliefs and our thoughts around it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And my money story, as I said, I've done a bit of work on, but I've noticed just over the last year or so, um, because I've got a business that's doing quite well and my husband does a lot of the book work. Um, and I found myself saying quite a lot lately, oh, Rob does the money stuff because I'm no good with that. Um, and I haven't, it hasn't been a conscious thing that I've said. And I've just realized that that is a new money story that I have, that I'm no good with money, whereas previously I've been fine with it. So it's just yeah. really being aware of the language that we use around money as well. Absolutely. And I think 
I've noticed it a lot for me too, since I've started to reframe the way I think about money and the way I talk about money is again, watching how people talk about it around you. I've got a lot of friends that are like always complaining about money, always talking about how expensive something is, always asking how much something costs and all of this stuff is fine, but just starting to notice the energy of the people around you and how you're letting their thoughts again, get projected and becoming your own beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about love. Okay. (laughs) On love. Uh, um, so thank you for being so vulnerable with us and sharing that's your- all right we should also thank Bo for that shouldn't we yes, yeah <laughs> so I do want to talk a little bit about that story so yeah um, for me personally I've been married for about 14 years I got married at wow. 22 which um, I feel that I did marry my soulmate you did speak a lot in the, oh, you spoke a bit in this chapter, how it's not, a, the chapter's not about just finding new love. It can be about increasing the love in your current relationship, which was mm. really special. Um, but I know like when you shared your twin flame story, um, I really, a lot of my friends came into mind. <laughs> oh yeah. Thought about their stories and things that they told me about their relationships. I would love for you to share with, the readers just a bit more about the difference between a twin flame and a soulmate okay I mean it's very uh complicated (laughs) but uh, if I had to like really kind of like um make it super simple basically they're both they're both kismet connections so they're both like this karmic um soul contract destiny type of love But the difference between the two, and I say in the book, it's very controversial because a lot of people think twin flames and soulmates are the same and they get very angry when they know that I've separated them. But I'm just going to go with it because this is what I believe to be true. The twin flame dynamic is a little bit more, for lack of a better word, toxic in that the twin flame dynamic is where you are both... um, uh, sort of like one half of the one, sorry, two halves of the one soul. And what you do within the relationship is poke each other's wounds. And from this place, you grow into more an, an expansive soul, but it's really hard to have a love that is sustained forever with that kind of dynamic because you're pushing each other's buttons the whole time. It doesn't mean it's not love. It doesn't mean it's not love, but to maintain that kind of kismet relationship forever is going to be very exhausting. What I found with twin flame relationships from the one I went through and also the many I've studied around me um, is you are ticking off a series or a set of lessons. And if you can't learn those lessons as you go, you're likely to be stuck in that twin flame dynamic for a really long time. Now, the scary thing about it is that there's two of you. So ideally, you both need to be learning the lessons as you go. Um, for Sometimes for one half of the twin flame dynamic, they're not going to be aware that it's a twin flame dynamic. I don't think a lot of men are open to hearing that they're one half of the twin flame dynamic. Yeah. But the idea is that you are, not consciously, but you are teaching them things for them to grow and move on and they are teaching you things. So the, uh, the dynamic that I explained in the book with my twin flame. Um, and we spoke about this, so he knew he was going to be in the book and he gave me his full permission. So we don't have to feel sorry for him. 
Um, we went through a series of lessons. It took us almost 12 years, but we got there and we graduated from Twin Flame High School mm-hmm. and now we've gone our separate ways and we're both really happy. So um, that's the Twin Flame dynamic. The soulmate dynamic is a lot different. You teach each other things, you grow together, but it's a love that allows you to grow and upgrade rather than poking at your wounds. You support each other. There's this feeling of being held by each other. And it's not to say that there's not drama. There's not to say that you guys won't fight and disagree. But at the end of the day, everything that happens is to up-level your souls. And that's the difference. And I think on an intuitive level, most people know. And I think where the twin flame dynamic gets confused is because it is really passionate. There are lots of like soulmate type tendencies where you'll, you know, think about the person and then they'll call you or, you know, you'll end up in the same part of town or, you know, whatever it might be. There's this real sort of energetic soul connection, but it's just not um, expanding you in a way that feels nourishing. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. for That's me. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I loved it. Loved it. Loved hearing your stories. Cool. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, manifesting a dream job. Mm. When I think about the job that I have now, I feel like looking at your manifestation equation, I feel that I definitely did unconsciously work through that manifestation equation. Um, yep. I just was so focused on what I wanted to achieve. My thoughts and my feelings were definitely aligned. I took the action and I really had faith that that was going to be how my life was going to be. So I just would love to hear your job that you have now as a coach and the work that you're doing online and writing your book. Do you feel that you've manifested your dream job? Right now. Uh, yeah, I absolutely do. I think what I have manifested is my dream uh, work setup, basically. So the work that I do, I love. I absolutely love. It's very varied. I've got my finger in lots of different pots. It's very hard to organize my day. But what I have created are flexible work hours, working from home, um, being able to shut the computer at three o'clock if my brain's just stopped working and that's okay for me. Um, You know, having beautiful relationships with people online, seeing clients when I want to, knowing that there's certain times within a lunar cycle, because I work with the lunar cycle, that my um, productivity is not going to be so great and scheduling stuff in my calendar around that. So while the specifics of what I do at the moment isn't something that I consciously sat down and thought, okay, I want to have this many manifestation clients. I want to do this much writing work. I want to be writing this book at this time. Um, It has sort of all come together to hit the feelings that I wanted to be feeling in my work and the lifestyle that I wanted to be having with my work. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So can you just talk to us a little bit more about your work that you're doing at the moment? I know that you have a podcast as well and yeah. you have your Lunar Nights membership. Can you just share more about your Lunar yeah. Nights? Yeah, so I, um, I recently, I've had my own podcast for about three years now um, and I recently rebranded it to uh, be Lunar Lover the Podcast. Mm-hmm. And Lunar Lover, the podcast is basically uh, week by week we do, I do a moon synopsis and then the following week I do an um, interview with someone that 
is in line with the energy of the moon we just experienced. So for example, we just had the Virgo new moon last week. And then this week I'm talking uh, to a friend of mine who uh, is a marketing strategist and she teaches people how to slow down their businesses so that they can find clarity and take themselves out of confusion, which is very much the energy of Virgo. Um, So the podcast was basically kind of shifted in that direction because I do a lot around the moon and I wanted to create a, uh, a membership service that allowed people to really connect and embody the energy of the moon on a really different level. So I created Lunar Lover, the membership, which basically every month people get, um, uh, they have access to a dashboard. They get a beautiful guided meditation that's in line with the energy of the current moon. They get a series of journal prompts that's also in line with the moon. They get email uh, reminders sent to them every time the moon changes phase because we have eight moon phases within a lunar cycle. Um, they get access to a Lunar Lovers Facebook group and then they get access to an online course called Lunar Nights Collective, which really helps you dive deep into each phase of the moon. So yeah, I wanted to start that membership so that people had this accountability every month to really connect with something. Because for me, when I was able to connect to the lunar cycle, it really helped me with the faith piece of manifestation, which Mm -hmm. is tapping into the rhythms and the cycles that are within the universe. And the lunar cycles are really beautiful one, but also a really easy one to follow because we can see it in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, Okay, so we are working over in our book club on all the exercises this month for September. We're going to be working through them in your book. I would love to know if you've had any stories yet from some of your readers about things that they've manifested. (laughs) Yeah, I get the craziest stories every day on my Instagram. Um, (laughs) Let me think. I had a whole series of women, was it last week? No, I think it was the week before. There was about five of them that all like um, messaged me within a couple of days saying that their boyfriends had proposed to them and that they'd been trying to manifest it. And I was like, what? I need to make that happen. How did you do that? (laughs) So good. Um, So that was a really good one. I've had babies. A lot of my, a lot of my clients have manifested pregnancies and they've been trying for a really long time. There's so many different factors to falling pregnant, obviously, but I think a large part of it for many women is they get so caught up, you know, in their heads. And especially if it's months and months of nothing happening, these limiting beliefs start to form. So when everything else has sort of fallen into place, um, sometimes just kind of bringing yourself back to the really simple practices in the book around the equation can be really helpful with that just to calm people down a little bit. Um, I've had, I had one client, I loved this. She was in about four, I think it was about $40,000 of um, student debt. And she was like, how the hell am I going to pay this off? She was working full time um, while she was Uh, doing her master's and she's like I'm just never it's just never going to happen and she had this like really kismet encounter with this woman on a bus who was like oh did you know that when you're doing a postgrad you can actually claim um your student fees as part of your postgrad in your tax and she's like no so she got back paid through the tax department forty thousand dollars she paid off her whole student debt and she's like I totally manifested that because running into this woman on the bus I would just never have known no one's ever told me that and she's like I have an accountant 
So that was pretty incredible. Um, what else? Just like people have won things at the RSL club. I mean, it depends like what you're trying to manifest. I know for me, like, I mean, I talk about them a lot in the book, but the biggest manifestation that I had was actually the book itself. So, you know, I think when you can get super clear on what it is you want without setting too many specifics around it, being clear about the feeling and the message behind it, really, you can make anything happen. Absolutely. Yeah. You're done it. Do you read? Are you reading at the moment? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I am reading a lot. I've got about five books on my nightstand and I'm, I don't even know where I'm up to in all of them, but yes, I'm a big reader. I find, um, I don't, (laughs) I don't love reading personal development books. So it's quite funny that I wrote one. I just, (laughs) I just don't like them. I never finish them. And I kind of like just keep skipping stuff. I'm like, oh, that's not relevant to me. But um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. There's three three, uh, non-fiction upstairs and two fiction that I'm reading all at the one time. Yeah. So is there a game changer book that you've read that just changed things for you? Mm, It's a really... That's a really good question. I actually had this question the other day and I gave a bit of a rogue answer. I'm going to give it to you too. But I think... (laughs) <laughs> to be honest with you, I think the game-changing book for me was actually a fiction book yeah. um, and it was called Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. Sorry, I'm just looking over at the bookshelf. Jitterbug yeah. Perfume. Have you read Have you read Jitterbug? Perfume? No, I haven't. Okay. So it's a very weird, quirky book. But the way that Tom Robbins has written it, it's very um, – it's almost like reading poetry or lyrics in that it's really melodic and there's like rhythm to his sentences. And in terms of being a writer, it really impacted the way I wrote. And when I was writing this book, um, I mean, you, you, as the reader, you probably don't notice it, but there's a real kind of melody to um, the, the sentences as they're being written. And it was funny because through the editing process, my editor would be like, oh, we'll just take that word out and we'll just take this word out. And we'll just move that sentence. And I'd be like, oh, you just ruined the melody. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, you've just thrown the rhythm. We have to put those words back in. So she'd like put them back in for me. So I think in terms of a game changer for my writing, I would say Jitterbug Perfume. hope you loved this episode if you want to dive in deeper to this juicy topic explored on this podcast and connect with like-minded book lovers head over to believebookclub.com and join our free book club today the best part is you can join from absolutely anywhere in the world and i cannot wait to see you over there